Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. I can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take a butcher's word for it. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys and a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Hey, Don. Hey, John. Tonight's episode, Tommy Boy. Beware. Spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. Uh, To my right, we have the comic book guy, John. How you doing? Very well, thank you. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Apparently the only normal guy in the room at the moment. Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) What's going on with you? Stop it. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about Tommy Boy, released on March 31st, 1995, directed by Peter Siegel. Uh, The screenplay was by Bonnie Turner, Terry Turner, and Fred Wolf. It stars the late, great, Gone Too Soon, Chris Farley, David Spade, Bo Derek, Rob Lowe, and Brian Dennehy. Although, if you look, Rob Lowe is uncredited. What about Dan Aykroyd? I thought he was in this too. He is. He only filmed for two days, so I don't know if you can say it starred. Well, of course, it's Dan Aykroyd. That is true. He did come on. the show at the end. Come on. Uh, this is... Uh, the Saturday Night Live alum and cast. I mean, it was produced by Lauren Michaels uh, from Saturday Night Live. And this was in the era where we had a, a lot of those movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Wayne's World, Billy mm-hmm. Madison, you know, they just kept going. Uh, it was made for a modest $20 million and it made overall $33 million. So I guess kind of a financial success. So we picked this movie because it is under the genre of our drawing that we had done previously. And the genres that we had gone through were action-adventure, road movie, uh, food. uh, Period piece. Period piece, buddy. Western. And Western, that's right. And so... This fits right into the buddy movie. And whose pick was this? This was my pick. Then this was John's pick. Excellent. Excellent. So what do you guys remember about Tommy Boy? Fat guy in little coat. I can say that's one of the <laughs> first things I think of too. Yeah. Yeah. I think of the scene where he's on his sales call and uh, he's giving the guy an example of what would happen if he didn't buy their brake pads. He takes his model car. And, right. Uh, when I got a, a job a long time ago at, at, at an insurance company, the guy who hired me sent me that audio clip uh, to my voicemail for a good laugh, he said. <clears throat> so that's what that movie always reminds me of. Well, and this, that clip. For this movie, and I swear I can't stay in a hotel or motel without doing it, which is knocking on the going, housekeeping. Oh, yeah. Housekeeping, you want me to fluff your pillow? Housekeeping. Yeah, that, that's part of my. You, you want me to jerk you off? <laughs> yeah. 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 Housekeeping. Yes, yeah. my family has heard that many times. After his auto parts tycoon father dies, the overweight, underachieving son teams up with a snide accountant to try and save the family business. So this <clears throat> would qualify as a buddy film. Uh, Chris how, Farley and David Spade. How would you say it compares to other buddy films? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, first, we'd have to pull in a couple of buddy films off the top of our head and see how that worked, right? So my head immediately goes to Step Brothers. Nice guys. Nice guys. Uh, with Russell Crowe and Gosling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I would. That's not one of the first ones I thought of, but yeah, it totally works. For mine, I Step Brothers is one of my all-time favorites, and so I easily like that one better than Tommy Boy. But, you know... Farley and Spade make a funny team, and you can't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 still a great buddy film. I saw an interview that uh, they did together promoting this movie, and David Spade basically said his his you know the two jobs for them 
in this movie was Chris Farley was supposed to be funny and David Spade wasn't. Yeah. So it worked out. <laughs> I thought so, but David Spade has some lines. Yeah, he's, he's got right. some he, great snarky he's got, attitudes. He's got a little uh, bit of zingers. Uh, hey, a lot of people graduate from college in seven years. <laughs> yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> so that one always makes me chuckle. Oh, look, Mommy, the rhino's angry. <laughs> <laughs> Another buddy movie that I was sort of thinking about, but it also morphs over into what this could also be, a road movie, is uh, Steve Martin and John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, I think... A lot that, of people compare it. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, so I'd kind of like to go back and revisit that for sure. In fact, I think Chris Farley admitted that he stole at least one or two lines that were in this movie from John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. John Candy is really strong in that movie. And... The, uh, the the car situation that happens in planes, trains, and automobile, and, and automobiles, I think is stronger than what we got in Tommy Boy. The Tommy Boy feels like it's copying a little bit of what happened in, in planes, trains, mm-hmm. and automobiles. I have to go back and watch it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, did you guys like Chris Farley when he was alive? Oh, yeah. I loved him. You, you thought I thought he was, was great. He, he was kind of a... You know, one shtick kind of guy, but he did it so well. Yeah. And I saw a lot of his movies. I saw that Kung Fu movie. Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja. Um, you know, I think I saw just about every Chris Farley movie, except for his last one. Yeah, Into the Wildness or, yeah, or Out of the, the wilderness. wilderness. Into the Wilderness, there it is, yeah. yeah. That's the only it, one I think I didn't see. Otherwise, I loved his stuff. I haven't seen it either. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Well, fuck, we should have put and, that in the helmet. And he was the best thing to happen to Saturday Night Live in a long time. He was, At the time, yeah, yeah, for sure. He was definitely a breath, a breath of fresh air in Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that cast, the 90s cast, uh, is on par with the 70s cast, right? 70s going to the 80s, you had Belushi, uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin. Dan you know. Aykroyd, oh Gilda Radner. It keeps going on and on, and Jane Curtin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the 90s, you had Sandler, uh, Tracy Morgan, Spade. Uh, Rob Schneider, mm-hmm. um, Farley, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. All yeah. I keep thinking is, lived in a van down by the river. You, you know that was a real guy? Uh, was it modeled after a real guy? Yeah, it was someone that Farley knew. Hmm. Yeah. That is a great skit. Yeah. That yeah. and David the other one, the, <laughs> yes. the best one he did was the uh, Chippendale sketch. Oh, with Patrick oh, Swayze? With Patrick oh, Swayze. that was so good. Yeah. You know within what made those episodes so funny is when they were with their other actors like a Sandler or a Spade and Farley was on screen, he made them break yeah. so many times where they couldn't control the laughter, but they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it even more funny, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it, that's where the fat guy in a little coat comes from. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware or not, but uh, David Spade and Chris Farley shared an office and their chairs were back to back each uh, with each other during Saturday night live days when they would be writing. And once upon a time, Chris Farley put that on and started singing that and, and Spade thought it was hilarious. And then he does it again. Okay. Yeah. That was sort of funny. Then he does it again. And David Spade's like, okay, it's not that funny. And then time would pass. And then, Oh, 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 I got something new. It's not fat guy. No, it's not. No, no, it's something good. It's something good. All right, what is it? Fat guy in a little. Oh, stop. All right, right. And then more time would pass, and then, oh, 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 we should do this. We should, what? No, not, no. No, it's not that. I swear. I swear it's not. Okay, what? Fat guy in a little. (laughs) And he kept doing it over and over again. Oh, yeah. And then eventually it was... You know, if we think this is so funny, maybe other people will too, and that's why it ended up in the movie. Should we go into the plot? We could do that. Should I read it like this? <laughs> See if we can get Ken to break. I, I, like I, they do in the... I think that would be awesome. Like they do in the, uh, the live skit shows. After seven years at college, Tommy... <laughs> Shit, I don't even think I could do it. After seven years at college, Tommy R. Tommy Callahan III barely graduates and returns to his hometown of Sandusky, Ohio. His father, industrialist and widow Thomas R. Big Tom Callahan Jr., gives him an executive job at the family auto parts plant, 
Callahan Auto. In addition to the new job and office, Big Tom reveals that he has plans to marry Beverly Barish Burns, a woman he met at Fat Farm, and that her son Paul will become Tommy's new stepbrother. However, Big Tom dies from a sudden heart attack during the wedding reception. Here's an easy one for you. What movie, obviously, was Bo Derek and Brian Dennehy in together? Ten. Brian Dennehy was in Ten? He played a bartender in that movie. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen Ten since I was probably Ten. 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 So, yeah. you know. I, I think that I'm guessing that. that's why they worked in the scene of her coming out of the pool the way she did. And and he says that. Or someone says, wow, she's a Ten. Mm-hmm. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not to the movie. Yeah. 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 So, what would you guys think of the opening? How we met Tommy? No. Uh, it, again, felt a little Saturday Night Live-ish. With, you know, he had to do the table stunt like he does almost every week on Saturday Night Live. He did mm-hmm. something with the table. But I thought it was great. I mean, if you notice, the same school that's being portrayed in the movie is the school that actually Chris Farley graduated from. And he played rugby for. And, yep, and it was the rugby team he was on. Yep. Yeah, I knew that. And he insisted on doing the uh, the table smashing stunt himself mm-hmm. with, no, 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 no. We're just going to do it straight. We're just going to do it real. Oh, okay. And he does, just like on Saturday Night Live, just bam. I do enjoy... Uh, the intro to Richard and what a and what a, a, a little gee, little pencil neck when they're is. kids yeah. yeah yeah so uh, young Tommy getting ready for school and, and during the opening credits uh, yeah I like that when he running by uh, Holy Richard's strikies. on yeah and Richard's on the bike yeah you're gonna be late shut up Richard which is a recurring theme throughout the movie which is funny so after barely graduating he goes home. Right, and uh, Richard ironically picks him up uh, from the airport. And, uh, I like what he says. He goes, how come my dad didn't come? And Richard says, well, he did this morning, but you missed your flight, so there you have it. And then you get the M&Ms on the dashboard. Oh, yeah, of that car. That was a nice car. It, it was a nice car. Oh, right. Well, the convertible is a 1967 Plymouth GTX with a 440 engine and a Krager SS wheels. Now, I almost think, you know, this is a buddy film, but doesn't it feel like the car is another character in the movie since they just play off the car so much? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. For me, I just saw that it was copying planes, trains, and automobiles. Hmm. Did that take you out of the entire film throughout most of it? No, but I felt like that that there are several aspects of this movie that are, um, I don't want to say a rehash, but a little cliché-ic. Sure, sure. Had you've seen it before? Yeah. Uh, how? Uh, when was the last time you watched it? It'd been at least ten years. Yeah. But, but it, it it still made me laugh, yeah. and and there were definitely several scenes that I laughed out loud with, and it, there are a lot of fun moments in this movie. Sure. Do you what? Do you recall? Uh, there's an uncredited writer. Do you remember who that writer is, or do you know who that writer is? Uncredited. There was an uncredited writer that they called in. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. If someone remembers, they can put it in the comments. Uh, But uh, they called him in to add a little bit more humor to the movie at the end. And I guess the car scene with the hood where they put the oil and it causes the hood to fly up. Mm -hmm. And then also the gas station where they back up and, you know, tears the door off. Mm -hmm. Those are all based off of true stories that had happened to that writer or that he knew with his friends. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Well, you know, they say that uh, you write what you know and mm-hmm. uh, sure. experiences can make a intriguing story. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, when was the last time you watched it? Oh, it's been like four or five years, but it's just it's a good go to movie. Yeah. I remember seeing it in the theater in 95 and then maybe once after that until we watched it the other night. So it'd been at least 10, 15 years for me. So. It, I, I've watched it a lot. I've watched it many times. I think I watched it a lot when I was in college. But it, it still made you laugh, Don? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Farley's laugh is kind of infectious. Every time he would laugh, I would chuckle. And then, yeah, there's a lot of moments in here that were, were funny. Anything stand out in the first half? Paul. I, 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 I enjoyed Rob Lowe's character. He <laughs> had a... A good character that clearly is a fish out of water, 
not wanting to be where he is. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed his arrogance throughout the movie when he's first introduced to, uh, to Tommy and, and he's like, brothers don't shake, brothers got a hug. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and how awkward he is. And when he's standing at the altar and he's got his hands in his pockets yeah. while they're doing their vows, I really enjoyed Paul's character. Yeah. Uh, and I like that as soon as we meet him, he's getting off the bus, right? And oh, then there's yep. that little mm -hmm. kid in the window and he yes. just and, throws and, his hand up to smack him. Yes. Uh, I didn't know this until I just read it, that uh, he was uncredited because he was filming the 1994 version of The Stand. And now knowing that, going back and having seen The Stand, uh, it you can tell that he just kind of came over as a favorite because he looks just like the character that yeah. he plays in the stand. He actually, I guess, wasn't on set that often. He filmed his all of his parts pretty quick, and that's why he wanted to be uncredited. Yeah. It was just cleaner and easier that way. Sure. And he did it as a personal yeah. favor. He wanted to spend more time on that, but he was contract contractually obligated for the stand. Yes, yes. Uh, what other Saturday Night Live movie does Rob Lowe portray the villain wayne's world that's why you're the professor good sir very good absolutely yeah yeah he's great in that too yeah. uh, what about brian denny he is the dad did you did you guys i i thought he was perfect to play chris farley's dad same he was shape a, same. he was adorable yeah. especially when they first you know greet each other and they do that whole big shaking thing and yeah. hugging and yeah. their chemistry and their bond was uh you believed it mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. that uh Big Tom Callahan was Tommy Boy's whole world. You yeah. Know? So Tommy Boy coming in, he's he's the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is warmly welcomed by father. And the other son, Richard, if you will, is bitter and re resentful yeah. of the prodigal son returning and just getting, you know, everything. Interesting uh, side note. The wedding scene, you know, Brian Dennehy's character is only supposed to have one son, Chris Farley's you know, character. Right. Uh, but the interesting scene, at the wedding, sitting at the table, right as Tommy Boy is called up to sing on stage and dance with yeah. Brian Dennehy, Chris Farley's actual brother was sitting at the table with him. He is also in another scene. Uh, I think it's the opening when they're, uh, when they're, they're in the frat room or Could they're be. in the, the dorm room. Oh, he's one of the extras in there? I think so but no the, i think he appears twice mm. yeah but i didn't i didn't catch that i didn't i don't even know if i know what his brother looks like well you, if you see him i went back and watched and if you see him he looks like chris Farley. yeah oh, I got you. when you look at the other people at the table you're gonna go oh it's him yeah yeah, yeah. and i i really like that scene because he uh brian denny he's like come up here tommy boy and he's like no 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 okay and then he goes up there and they do that little skit number which was adorable you know, it's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good laugh. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a downer that the dad died. Oh, I know. But I mean, you, you kind of had to see it coming. I don't know if they ever gave that the way in the trailer or uh, if they used it in the promotional marketing of it because I don't remember 95. Well, if you read the plots, you know, summary ahead of time, then you kind of knew. There you go. Okay. So, oh, and then we also had that little bit with the cow tipping. The cow tipping, I, I, I found uh, it, it's funny, but it, it was still kind of pedestrian. Agreed. Uh, he Farley was great at physical comedy, but part yeah. But part of it also works because of Paul not wanting anything to do with it. Do you have anything yes. that's fun to do because of this? And he's drinking, you know, his alcohol out of the, you know, the 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 bag, right? Yeah. yeah. I agree that the cow tipping scene was pretty bad. But then you get to the gas station where he's getting hosed down Maniac. and the flash dance. Maniac. That yeah. that cracks me up every time. Yes, yes. That. yes. That yes. I laughed out loud uh, last night. Actually, I had to watch it two times, but uh, I laughed out loud both those times because it's so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's kind of set up with Rob Lowe's. He's doing his shoes right. These are Italian. They're worth more than you are. And then Farley just you know shrugs it off and then starts singing Maniac because he's getting the hose. So yeah. So the board meeting. Read read it all sexy like. Well, I didn't do the first one all sexy like. You got to do the uh, running man announcer after the funeral, doubting the future of the company without Big Tom. The bank reneges on the promise of a loan for a brake pad division and seeks immediate payment from Callahan's auto debts. Tommy Boy suggests a deal. 
he will let the bank hold his few inherited shares of the house. In exchange, the bank will give him time to sell enough brake pads to prove the division's viability. If enough brake pads are sold by the deadline, the bank will grant the loan. Tommy then sets out on a cross-country sales trip with his father's syncopathic assistant, Richard Hayden, a child acquaintance who is annoyed over Tommy's ability to be lazy yet be rewarded. So let me ask you this. Have you ever seen The Running Man? <laughs> I, I did not I did not do that well. No, I'm just kidding. That I was, was good. To, the, the Running Man had to be the, the sexy voice. Of, sure. Yeah. She was sleeping with him. Oh, right. Oh, yes. When they're reviewing the tape in the, the Butcher of Bakersville. His lover. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that. I think we should start reading different sections and different versions. <laughs> different voices. Yeah. yeah. So now Tommy has to save the fucking company, right? And so I, I like this bit when they're in the boardroom and... Uh, they're about to, they don't know what to do because Big Tom just died and everything's going to go to Bo Derek. And so they're trying to come up with a plan and Tommy throws it out there. I mean, he's not the smartest guy in the room by any means, but he's got the biggest heart. And I think that's what Chris Farley always brought to the, uh, his characters, uh, is his heart. And, and he played it with such fun and even his little cameos. Uh, one that I really enjoyed was him in airheads. You guys ever see airheads with Adam Sandler? Mm -hmm. They take over the radio station. Mm -hmm. He plays a cop and he's fucking hilarious in the two seconds of screen time he gets. So, um, he's, he, he says, you know, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can help. Well, well, this is kind of, um, uh, Peter Sagal, the director, he, his, his angle of approach he gravitates towards a story where you have somebody that is trying to redeem themselves, that they are trying to, uh, things that they've taken for granted or they've forgotten about or, or, or whatever, now they're trying to make amends and make things better. Th this is the journey that Peter Sagal has had with some of his other movies. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's like you were saying, the big heart, it's the the hero who was never meant to be a hero. He's sure. going to save the company and save the town. He's and, the unlikely hero. Yeah, and he's willing to sacrifice all, you know, everything he has. Maybe he's just not thinking clearly, but he's willing to sacrifice everything he has to save everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And we should also mention that he has met, what's the gal's name? Michelle. 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 He's met Michelle. Uh, uh, it's implied that they grew up together as well, and she's in charge of shipping and receiving at Callahan Auto. And they kind of spark up a little... A little romance here. A little you can chemistry. Tell, yeah, a little chemistry. Good word. She's another character that uh, was been introduced, another part of the story. Uh, do they go on the boat at this part, or is that after he gets back? No. 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 I think that's... it's. Well, they go on the boat the first time before the road trip. Right. Okay, so, yeah. And then after, after the boardroom, we get to the road trip, because I always mm -hmm. think of the road trip as the beginning of the second act of the film. Yeah. But yeah. the the... The scene that you're talking about, the them on the boat, is probably one of the best scenes in the movie. And it really shows off Farley's acting chops when he's talking about right. his dad. It's he's heartbreaking. showing some range. Yeah. 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 I just like Michelle's comment to the kids. <laughs> it's evil yeah. and you believe it. Yeah. I know, you know, I know where you live and I've seen where you sleep. Your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to your bodies. Yeah, that's good. Something like that. <laughs> wow. You delivered that like pitch perfect. Yeah. I always thought I was looking at Michelle for a second. Yeah. Maybe you are. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> uh, so we hit the road and we've got a bunch of failed sales calls, but the best one that you were talking about earlier, Don where he is taking the model car and he and he smashes it and he ends up lighting it on fire and he is get out. Farley goes so far as says uh, some of my or a thing my dad told me was never take no for an answer. And then you cut to the montage of them trying to sell stuff and the buyers are like, nope. And he's like, OK, then. Thank you. Great. Yeah. So he, he, he has a little bit of lack of confidence there and uh, kind I of do. like a fish out of water, doesn't really know what he's doing, and is driving Richard nuts. 
right? Because they're there to make the money. Well, one thing I do like that they, it's really kind of quickly portrayed, but you can see the strengths and the weaknesses. Whereas like when Richard tries to control the sale, he's so technical, the people are bored and just want him out of there. Yeah. But Chris Farley kind of has his dad's charm. So he's very charming and he's very funny, but he knows nothing about what he's talking about. And he's so hyperactive that he just blows the sails out of the water every time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the character that Farley played best, Mm -hmm. you know, and most of the, most of the things we've seen him in, we, we get that character fumbling his way through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just the, um, you know, the hyperactive, uh, version of him where he, he will hear he'll talk soft at one moment and then explode the next and you mm-hmm. know so sure um and then we get to the gas station scene I, I i enjoyed what was happening there that was a very fun scene when the car gets the gas nozzle doesn't quite reach the tank so the car has to be scooted back a little bit as the car scoots back a little bit by tommy he mangles the door and and he bends it way out of shape this was a great comic setup in that you have david spade inside arguing with the guy about the map and you can see in the background chris farley doing what chris farley does best with his physical comedy i watched this with my wife julie and she was rolling during this scene because watching chris farley in the background was just killing her and then i have to say that when when the door falls off and Tommy is all innocent, what'd you do? Yeah, like it was uh, David Spade's fault. <laughs> I have I have said variations, iterations of that so many times over the years. What did you do? What'd you do? I many times, all because of that moment. Yeah. Now, now for a little bit of fun, if you, if you're planning on watching this movie or you are watching it while we're talking and ignoring us, uh, if you watch that scene. You'll see that, you know, of course, he backs up the car, he dings the door, and when they look at the door bent kind of backwards, it's got a big dent in it. But later on, when Richard closes the door and the door falls off, it's a pristine, clean door. So keep your eye out for that. Continuity, people. It's not that hard. Yeah. But it's kind of what you expect from this movie. This whole movie felt like a big Saturday Night Live skit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. That was the feeling. And then the... After this scene, then we are back at Callahan, and it is the it is the uh, the carnival scene, and the carnival scene is a big reveal in this moment of the story that maybe maybe there's something going on between Beverly and Paul. Michelle yeah. has suspicions. They're getting a little frisky with each other for mother and son. The next point that we move on to is we're back out on the road. And they are arguing and they hit a deer. <laughs> that deer scene was just hilarious. Uh, speaking of deers, have you guys ever hit a deer? I have not, but my stepson uh, and his father, they were on a road trip and a deer ran out and they hit the deer. What about you? No, sir. And it just destroyed the front of their car. I have. You've hit a deer? How, how'd that go? I hit a deer in Virginia. Uh, we were driving back from show site and it was, uh, you know, dark. Three and o'clock in the morning. <laughs> pretty close. And driving along and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, at, it was like a split second, I saw this thing running and I turned my head and before I could even say, oh shit, and hit the brake, we hit it. It it, dam- it damaged the truck we were in, but not too much because I hit it uh, like on the driver's side headlight area. And so it went down that fender uh, so I was able to pull over and we were able to get it all squared away. But when we were driving back to work the next day, uh, was we were going the opposite way, uh, you, there was a, like a, like a, uh, not a ditch, but there was a, something in between the middle, um, and the deer was laying in it. That sucked. Was your first thought, let's put it in the back seat. No, uh, actually the first thought was, uh, my buddy who, uh, I was with, he went looking for it. So in case it was alive, he was going to slit its throat, put it out of its misery. Yeah. yeah I hit a deer. <laughs> wow. Well, have you ever listened to, there's a YouTube, it's on YouTube. There's a call recorded, but a guy who calls the 911 operator, a deer jumped out and bit him in the back of the neck. No, I've never heard that. Oh, I've got to play for it. If you, if you look up 911 call, 
deer uh, bit back of the neck. And if you find that on YouTube, it's one of the funniest recordings. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, so we have the deer in the back of the car. Eventually, the deer wakes up and just destroys the car. Did you read the setup or did you read about the setup of how they had to get the deer, the real deer? In the back of this car to do it. And no. You want to tell us a little bit about it, Ken? Well, it took about a month for the deer to become acclimated with the comfort of having itself in the proximity of the car. And so there was constant feeding around the car where the deer would poop on the car, in the car, just so that way the payoff shot that they were ultimately striving for was the deer to be comfortable enough to get the final shot that they had, which was the deer standing on the trunk. Yeah, I read that they had actually three versions of the car, and they had to give the deer handler one of the versions of the car and have him spend a month trying to get the deer comfortable with the car. But you couldn't you imagine having a month where a deer's climbing all over this car, pooping it and everything, and then getting that car back? No, why would you want the car back? I don't. I don't know. Okay, well, that's the first question you have I'm to ask thinking, yourself. I'm thinking that that car could probably stay with the deer handler. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. If I am the producer of this film, I do not want that car back. And you're going to gift him the car? Yeah, I'll gift him the car for sure. So which car did you like better destroyed? Planes, trains, and automobiles or Tommy Boy? Which destroyed car did you uh, embellish, savor, a little more richly than the other, or do you have an opinion? Well, I'm going to have to be completely honest with you. I don't remember. It's been that long since I've seen planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Now I'm intrigued to watch it. Somebody put that in the hat. Somebody put that in the helmet, maybe. That could be a road movie or a buddy movie. Yeah. Because I, I honestly, I don't remember the damage of that car either in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. But the, I just love how it ends up uh, at the end all tarped up. Mainly, the the one thing I remember about planes, trains, and automobiles is when they're lying in bed, and you know, uh, he says, uh, Steve, Steve Martin says to John Candy, Where's your hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing everybody remembers <laughs> from that movie. How about yeah. those bears? Yeah. Moving on? Yeah. Beverly and Paul are seen kissing romantically. They are not mother and son, but rather... Married con artists with criminal records. Instead of eventually suing for divorce and taking half of Big Tom's estate, Beverly has inherited controlling interest in the company. To turn that into cash, she seeks a quick sale to self-described auto parts king, Ray Zelensky. On the road, Tommy's social anxiety and hyperactivity alienates several potential buyers so it's during this time that there does seem to be a little bit of a bond that starts to blossom between tommy and richard yeah and this is where we get the fat guy in in the little coat is this where we also get the hotel scene and the pool scene not yet because he has to make that or oh they go to dinner or lunch or whatever and uh they the no but even before that that's where we have they are um the fight scene they're fussing and they're fighting and then they have a song that comes on and <laughs> the it, carpenters yes and and so no, i'm not gonna change no you change the channel next scene there they are sobbing uncontrollably and then the hood flies up and the car spins around is that where the hood comes off too yeah and then that's where we get the oil can gag right mm-hmm. yeah i always wondered when the hood flies up why does, in every movie that this happens, the first instinct of the driver is to turn into oncoming traffic? You know, so he immediately swerves the wheel. Man, I don't know. Well, you know. Or is it just I'm, written that way? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, but I decided to go with, you know, I haven't been in a car where the hood flies off, so I couldn't tell you why. My driving act- instructor actually taught us what to do if the hood flies up. Yes. Stop. I, I got that, too. No, you stick your head out the window. No, or... Usually hoods have a little bit of a gap at the bottom. The little crack. You're supposed to duck down and look under the crack. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. there you go. You learn something new every day. So this has been our safety tip of the show. So right after this scene, this is where we meet Helen. And this is an epiphany to Richard how to get Tommy to start selling. 
Right, because they go in, uh, and Helen is a waitress. David Spade is having the shrimp cocktail. They originally wanted Roseanne Barr yeah. to play Helen, yeah. but apparently her schedule wouldn't allow it. So 95, so that's mid, probably mid uh, Roseanne show success. Probably, so probably, she was yeah. really big, yeah. yeah. I don't see her doing such a small part. Oh, I do. At that time. Oh, I do. She was in uh, Freddy's Dead. Yeah. That was probably around the same time. Maybe that was 96, but still pretty close. Yeah, her and Tom Arnold at the time. Yeah, the grieving parents. Yeah. At the fair scene, was it? Yeah, it's the fair scene. But this is an important scene where we get to learn that Tommy does have the ability to sell because he sells himself to get those chicken strips. Right, he wants the chicken strips. Well, I think he just out-crazies her and she decides, you know what? I'm going to go get you some chicken strips. Point is, he gets the chicken but, strips. And so Richard recognizes that and says, this is how we do it. This is how this we is make his this strength. work. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a charmer like his dad, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's what dad is. Dad is charming in his own personable way. Same thing with Tommy. The lack of any progress leads to tension between Tommy and Richard. When all hope seems lost, Tommy persuades a surly waitress to serve him after the kitchen has closed. And Richard suggests he uses his skills at reading people to make sales. The two start to become friends and quickly make their sales goals. However, Paul sabotages the company's computers, causing the sales posted by the sales manager, Michelle Brock, to either be lost or rerouted. With half of the sales now canceled, the bank, backed by Beverly and Paul, decide to sell Callahan Auto to Zelensky. Dun, dun, dun. Doesn't talk anything about the swimming pool scene. Well, I know it doesn't talk about it, but that that was a great scene. And, and I, I heard about conflict. Did you hear about this conflict between David Spade yeah, and Chris Farley? They both dated the gal. The gal by the pool. Yeah. And I guess that causes the conflict all the way into filming Black Sheep. I wouldn't doubt it. I, 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 I also loved the little moment of uh, Richard vacuuming the mods out of oh, the air. Yeah. That, that cracked <laughs> me. I guess there's another goof in this scene that I, I want to go back and now rewatch it. I didn't see it. But I guess if you look closely... At the bottom of the table where all the moths are flying around the lamp, you can see a stagehand throwing the moths up in the air as well, they're I, filming it. I love little things like that. Yeah, now, so I, I want to go back and catch it. I might just go back and watch this scene just to find Farley's brother and this scene and the door. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Richard, who is your favorite little rascal? Was it Alfalfa <laughs> or Spanky? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, what was the other one? As soon as he walks in. um, Oh, uh, oh, damn it. Talking about the Yankees? No, it was the one right before that. It was the one right before the Yankees. What was it? Richard, Uh, what were you doing over there? Oh, my gosh. Now I got to look it up. But I do love love the, the look. On uh, on Chris Farley's face, what he says is it alfalfa or is it spanky? <laughs> I love Chris Farley's yeah. expression. Uh, Ken and I were talking before the show. Oh, go on, sorry, Ken. And then he ends it with a line that I have used many times: "Sinner." <laughs> yeah. The one Sinner. I love is he says, "Maybe you were watching a movie with a funny comedian." Oh, what's his name, buddy? Whack it. <laughs> that one I liked. Now, that one is a good one. Ken and I were debating this scene a little bit before we started recording. There's supposedly a goof in this scene too, but Ken has a great explanation for it. Well, what's the goof? The goof is David Spade goes up to the window and, you know, is behind the curtain and watching the woman undress by the pool. Yeah. And you hear a zipping noise. Yeah. But then when Richard runs from the curtain to the bed, he's wearing boxer shorts. There's well, he, no pants. Well, he dropped them to the ground. That That's what Ken says. Yeah. He but, dropped, dropped trail. Yeah. That's what any sensible guy would do. But now I'm going to have to go back and watch what was Richard wearing when he went to the curtain. I don't remember. Ken, who, who did they have in mind to play Richard? Do you remember? I do not. Apparently, two people that almost were, or basically almost offered the role was Christian Slater, which I don't see him playing kind of the, the Paul character. I know he's a good actor as well as 
Adam Sandler. Paul or Richard? Who are we talking about? They were going to have him play Richard. Oh, okay. Yeah, Adam Sandler and uh, Christian Slater were two people who were considered for that role. Man. And I think David Spade's snarky attitude, you know, from Saturday Night Live was the best for that role. Yeah. He's he's really good at that. I think that Sandler could have pulled it off. And come on, I'll watch. Yeah, he couldn't do it I will watch, Billy Madison. Well, yeah, but I mean, had the, he got the role, um, could he have pulled it off? For sure. Um, but I'll watch Adam Sandler in anything. So I think he would have pulled it off. Christian Slater, I can see. Did you ever see the movie Cuffs? Yes. Yeah, I, I can see him. That was the first thing that popped in my head as uh, the kind of the character he would be playing, which is more of a smartass. I can see him playing more of a smartass to be an asshole as uh, per Richard, who is a passive-aggressive asshole. Right. And so David Spade and Chris Farley were a magic team. So it's, uh, I'm happy it worked out the way it did. And we wouldn't have had Black Sheep if we didn't have this. You keep saying Black Sheep. Do you, is it, do you like this that film better? No, no. In fact, I always say that Black Sheep was basically just Tommy Boy Part 2. So uh, they make their goal, and Bo Derek and Rob Lowe's characters cannot have this. Paul gets in and futzes with the computer system, and a bunch of stuff doesn't get shipped, or it gets lost, well, or well, whatever. Even, even before that, Rob Lowe, being such a good straight man, the scene where he goes to shoot out the truck tires the and the with, dog comes. The bit with the dog. I, I love that whole, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. I, As he shoots the sign accidentally. I, I didn't, actually, with this scene, I didn't film one way or the other. Oh. It, it just kind of, I don't know. That seems and, silly. And peeing on the electric fence. Well, the peeing on the electric fence is always funny, oh. no matter what that happens. But do you like the... Uh, the computer scene made sense where he's changing the orders. Yeah. And then... Um, Shit hits the fan. And Michelle then, is forced to quit. And that's when she goes to the airport and he, she sees uh, mom and son making out. Publicly groping. And yep. she calls her brother the police officer or a detective or something. Right. So they so that investigation is going on. More to come with that. In the meantime, uh, Z- uh, Callahan Otto has to sell to Zelensky. And this is kind of where our third act kind of starts. Right. The trip to Chicago. Right. What what'd you think of the stewardess bit? Oh, them infiltrating as flight attendants? Yeah. And then he has the inflatable. <laughs> right. And he yeah. can't breathe. It, it's just more of. Giving Chris Farley an opportunity to do the physical humor. What concerned me more was how easy it was for them to get on a fucking plane. Pre-9-11. Hoping that they can persuade Zelensky to reconsider, Tommy and Richard travel to Chicago, boarding a plane posing as flight attendants. In Chicago, they get a brief meeting with Zelensky, but he tells them he wants only the reputation connected with the Callahan brand and will close down the company and lay off its workers. Tommy and Richard are denied entrance to Zelensky boardroom since Tommy has no standing. As they wallow on the curb in self-pity, Michelle arrives with Paul and Beverly's police records. Tommy devises a plan dressed as a suicide bomber by using road flares. He attracts the attention of a live TV news crew and then, along with Michelle and Richard, forces his way back into the boardroom. So this is where we really get to see Dan Aykroyd's character. And I thought the elevator scene was great after Tommy Boy had rubbed the car freshener all over him because mm-hmm. he was sweating. Mm-hmm. And I love that uh, that Dan Aykroyd's character, Zelensky, makes some comment about uh, the smell. You know, you got kind of got this weird pine tree smell, and he goes, well, that's car air fresheners. Well, now that you've tracked it down, let's do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's such a treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved his hair in this movie, too. I have to say, I think that's my favorite thing is Zelensky's hair. As silly as that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when, uh, kind of get to get back on the plane in the physical comedy bit, you know, with the, the floater thing. Also, did you know that they had to build that bathroom that he was in and they, he, they built it barely big enough for him to fit. And so that's why when then the physical comedy of it is he forces him, he throws himself out of that bathroom and it's pretty funny when he does, but you know, it's, it's the fat guy stuck in a closet bit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and my wife, who's kind of a germaphobe when it comes to things like that, just the whole that whole scene, she was just like, ew, 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 he's touching it, ooh, yeah, 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 and you don't want to go anywhere near those. What air, uh, airplane bathrooms, like feet in the toilet, and 
Oh, head yeah. in the sink. And- well, when you're trying to save a company and your family's name and your family's company, you do what you got to do. Well, I kept saying, thinking, even though he was wearing airline, you know, stewards type outfit, couldn't he have just taken off like the little badge and everything else and maybe changed the tie out? And it wasn't a bad looking suit. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the way it was written. Oh, okay. We needed physical comedy. I like how uh, Richard went in and changed what in five seconds. Yeah, he goes in and then comes right out. That's a good bit. Yeah. I also like the moment when he gets to the bank. Can I have your attention, please? And, ah, it's a robbery. And the guns are immediately slid to <laughs> oh, his yeah. feet. <laughs> he, he hit me with a hammer ten times in the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and so uh, he can't get, they can't get back into the boardroom because uh, Zelensky told him no and pretty much to fuck off. Uh, so Tommy comes up with a plan. He straps himself with a flare bomb vest. Do you think post 9-11 they could get away with a scene like that in a movie? No fucking way. As a suicide um, bomber, I don't. I don't think people are going to laugh at suicide bombers anymore. Um, no, I, they're they're in movies today, but I, I, comedies. I, I got to say, for me, yeah. I I found it distinctly unfunny. Him with the flares and the TV crew bit, I found that distinctly unfunny, and I think it's because of post nine eleven. Interesting. Well, yeah, I, I can see how that would take anyone out of it. What I don't get, and of course, again, script was written this way. He does the whole suicide bomber bit, gets himself into the boardroom, and then reveals, oh, it's just a bunch of flares. Do Chicago police just don't care that he did that? That he just threatened a bunch of people, and he brought the media in, probably had to evacuate the whole building? We're not pressing charges. No, they're just, just oh, it was, that's a funny thing. Go ahead, yeah. yeah well, people do that all the time. Zelensky might own the police, and since uh, uh, Farley's character just owns Zelensky on uh, live TV... I'm sure he'd pretty much get away with it. Okay. Or we could think that uh, he did get arrested, he got bailed out, and then we have the ending of the movie, blah, 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 and then uh, six months later, he's got to go do three years for false bombing threat. So there you go. You think of it one way or the other. No. Back in Sandusky, Callahan workers watch the drama on a television. In a final move of pure persuasion, Tommy quotes Zelensky's own advertising slogan that he is on the side of the American working man. As the TV audience watches, Zelensky signs Tommy's purchase order for 500,000 brake pads. Zelensky quietly tells Tommy that the purchase order is meaningless as he will soon own Callahan Auto. Michelle shows the police records, which includes Paul's outstanding warrants for fraud. Since Beverly is still married to Paul, her marriage to Big Tom was null and void. All of Big Tom's controlling shares actually belong to Tommy, the rightful heir. Since Tommy does not want to sell the shares, the deal with Zelensky is off. And since Tommy still holds Zelensky's purchase order, the company is saved. Paul attempts to escape, but is arrested. Zelensky admits that Tommy outplayed him and invites Beverly to dinner. Tommy is appointed the president of Callahan Auto and starts a romance with Michelle. Oh, now maybe it's the cynic in me. What? A little bit. What have you been cynical? But looking at Michelle, and maybe I was jaded at the time when I first saw this movie and everything. But here comes, you know, Tommy the third into town, who's obviously going to inherit this company. And then Michelle, who probably showed him no time of day when he was back in school, is all of a sudden kind of interested in him. But then later on, when Tommy looks like he's going to lose the company, Michelle's ready to fly home and, you know, leave the company, not fight for her job and not try to fight to prove her innocence. But now that Tom has successfully saved the company, well, now she's going to kiss him and get back in. Doesn't it seem like maybe she's a younger version of Bo Derek in this? Wow. That's pretty deep. That is, is it, pretty. Is deep. that my little conspiracy theory there? Well, you can, yeah, I guess it's dumb, but yeah, <laughs> I guess <laughs> uh, the fact what she's the fact that she stands up for him on the boat and she says what she says, you know, that whole line that we talked about earlier, uh, and you know, people can change. And And you never know. Maybe they were friends in high school. Maybe she was a nerdy girl who didn't have a lot of friends and her and Tommy were friends. It's the classic trope that the, you always have the lovable hero, klutzy hero, the girl that loves him, and then the bad guy. So she's, she's got to play the girl that actually loves him. But if you look at it from a different angle, you can kind of see that there, maybe there's something weird going on there with her. Yeah. But why on earth would you ever want to look at it with a different angle in this particular instance? Because I'm a cynic. Okay, well, I just feel bad for you then. 
I don't know what to tell you. What about you? Do you have any thoughts on that? I certainly didn't take it that way, but you know, for me, I, 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 I'm more to the point of that. There are lots of little cliches in this movie as opposed to, you know, some alternative story angle. Sure. Sure. In part two, she owns the company. Well, good for her then. I like that. Unfortunately, we'll never get a part two. Well, because Tommy Boy, of course, right after the movie's over, you know, follows in the same footstep as his father. You know, bad health and overactive. So he probably didn't, you know, he probably didn't last much longer either going on this high stress sales position. No, I disagree. I think that Michelle whipped him into shape. He lost a lot of weight and they lived happily ever after. And he learned Kung Fu. That was a different version. That was a different version of the Matrix. That wasn't a sequel? Okay, but when you look at the company... You know, where they are at, is Callahan Auto Parts still open? I'm going to say yes. I would say that right after Tommy Boy died and Michelle got the company, she sold it immediately. Well, and you, again, I don't... And like then I, I feel like I have to keep bringing this up. You also sided with the machines in Matrix, so this well, makes complete uh, complete sense. Well, I think she also kept up a correspondence with Paul in jail. Then when Paul got out, she married Paul. Wow, you should be a writer. I think that's good. All right, so do you have a classic Tommy Boy moment that you always embrace and love? Um, it's that scene when they're making the sale, and he's all, you know, and you're driving and you're driving, and oh my. God, I like what he says about the coroner or the ambulance guy. The ambulance guy is out the, sticking his head out the door, puking his guts out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it, for me, it's not PC and it's not. Of course. This day and age, it's not really appropriate. But it's one of the first times you know we're seeing Tommy at the factory. Mm-hmm. And he's going around and pushing buttons and doing things. And he starts up that that thing with the hooks coming on. Yeah, the new brake pad thing. He starts dodging them and everything. And then they look over and he's all fighting with it. And he looks and he goes, well, I was just trying to... I'm retarded. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's probably not PC today. And it's funny going back and watching movies back then and kind of feeling cringy now. Mm -hmm. But we didn't back then. Mm -hmm. We should do a whole special on that one day. Because I bet you we Just could find a lot. Things yeah. that aren't as funny these days right. as they were. Yeah. Don't hold then. up the test of time. Yeah. But it's still a funny scene. Funny mm-hmm. scene. What about you, Professor? For me, it was what I've already mentioned. When Richard opens up the car door and it falls to the ground. What'd you do? Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Um, all right. Uh, let's rate this bitch. John, how do we rate? Basically, our ratings are based off of if you're channel surfing, uh, would this be a movie that you would watch every time, no matter you know where it's in the movie, you're going to watch the whole movie? Are you going to watch just bits and pieces of it and then go find something better? Are you going to kind of skip ahead to see if there's something else on and come back to? Or no, I'm just not going to skip right over it every time. So we give it a one to five scale. Five being, I'm going to watch this movie every time if I see it on. One being, I'm going to float right past this and look for something better. John, how well have you sold yourself on this movie? Are you a good salesman and you sold yourself on this movie? Or maybe you're not quite, you're a little closer to the role than when he's talking to Helen and he shreds the sale. The hyperactive, just, yeah. Uh, for me, this movie has so many quotable lines. And, and, and we were saying earlier, you know, like you, you and I both, if we go to a hotel or motel and knock on the door, we always have to go housekeeping yeah, and little things like that. And, and what did you do? I mean, just so many quotable lines. This also was such a great pairing of David Spade and Chris Farley that it just worked. I, you know, you got the, you know, Chris, you know, David Spade's attitude of the bye-bye, bye-bye kind of Saturday Night Live, you know, how he used to do the news and everything. And uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, you got, you know, that whole attitude with Chris Farley's just hyperactive physical comedy. Back then, like I said, this is a movie I've watched a number of times. Now, am I going to watch it every time it's on? I'm probably going to go look to see what else is on before I come back to this movie. There are scenes that I do like watching. So I'm actually going to give this movie a four. 
that's really high for you yeah. saying. I was I thinking would, the same. That's the reason I why I give thinking it a four. Like a three or something. There's a, the reason why I give it a four is because I know there's other movies out there that I might like better. But if I'm not finding anything better, I'm gonna watch this whole movie over again just because there's so much to catch, and it's an enjoyable movie. I know it's gonna make me laugh every time. Okay. So this is a movie. If I skip over it, I'm going to come back to it if there's nothing else. If Endgame isn't on, I'm going to watch this. So this <laughs> last time when you watched it, you you were definitely laughing out loud many oh, times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why did you pick this film? Because uh, I picked it because it was a classic buddy film, and it was the first thing that came to my mind. That's what I When I, I thought of buddy films. You know, there were a few movies that kind of popped in my head, and I thought, no, this one could, as you know, Ken and I were discussing, this could be a road movie or it could be a buddy film. And it was this one or Step Brothers, and I figured one of you two would have put Step Brothers in the helmet. Interesting. So I hmm. went with this one figuring nobody's going to put it in there, and it's it's an older movie that we all haven't seen in a long time. Interesting. Hmm. All right, so a four from the comic book guy, John. Professor, you want to go next or you want me to go? I'll go. Let's hit it. All right, so for me, I am thinking that there are not necessarily a lot of quotable lines in this because I found myself going back and thinking, well, there's that one, that one. Now, I did laugh out loud several times, and the comedy that happens between Chris Farley and David Spade, for me, still holds up. But I, uh, I, I thought that, as I was stating earlier, there's, there's uh, several cliches in here. I do enjoy the whole Rob Lowe, Paul character a a, a great deal, though. But at the same time, this movie is just full of moments, and moments don't necessarily make movies. Another thing that I think might have also worked against this movie a little bit is that just recently we had reviewed Ghostbusters, and we all talked about in Ghostbusters how there's so many quotable lines, and we kept saying them throughout the evening. Oh, and this line, and this line, and this line. I don't do that for Tommy Boy. I don't have these quotable lines that just roll off my tongue so recently. So I think that for me, since it's a movie of moments and not necessarily of a, of a full movie per se, I give it a two. Two. A two from the professor. Are you okay? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you having chest pains? I'm feeling really good. Okay, just making sure. All right. What the fuck was that? All right, Donnie. <clears throat> Come on, Donnie. Yeah. yeah I, you should say it. Fuck you, Donnie. No, it's shut the fuck up, Donnie. Fuck you, Donnie. Okay, you say it. <laughs> well, that makes more sense, I guess. All right. Okay. Bring us a good one, Donnie. All right. Uh, so this is... I. I put this film in a category called the Saturday night live films. Uh, I think that this is certainly in my opinion, uh, Chris Farley's best film. Uh, I think is out of all of the films he was in, not as a cameo, but more of the main character. I think I would pick this one over all of them. So, but as far as the Saturday night live movies go, I can think of, you know, four or five off the top of my head that I liked better. So that being said, if I am uh, flipping through channels and I see it on, I might stop for a second or two just to see where we're at. Um, I laughed. Uh, I hadn't seen this film in like a long time, you know, 10, 15 years. And uh, I laughed. There were funny parts. I enjoyed the characters and I thought the relationship between Brian Dennehy and Chris Farley was adorable. And uh, I sh- I thought that Chris Farley actually sh- uh, showed some real chops. Uh, so, you know, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's something that I would stop and watch uh, for a long period of time. It wasn't that funny. Uh, so you'd have to catch it right at the right moment in order for me to stop. So that all being said, I am going to give Tommy Boy a 2.5. Thank you for taking us home. So now it's the time in the podcast here where we pick our next film and we have already picked one of John's buddy films. So there are still two buddy films in the helmet along with all the other genres that Ken mentioned earlier. Uh, Who picked this last one? I believe I thought it was me. Yeah, I think Ken picked Tommy Boy. All right. Uh, Don, you're up. Is it me? Sure. Reach on in there, Don. Oh, stand by, please. 
So there is another way that we could be watching a movie outside of the helmet, because if we were to have a listener offer something up, so on our website, three guys in a flick dot com, we could look into something that somebody else might propose. Yeah. So far, if our choices completely suck in your mind, submit something and we'll take a look. So it's funny that you say that. My friend at work uh, said that she posted a film on our uh, website. It was uh, Pool Hall Junkies. I think I did see that. Yeah. So we're going to look into that and we're going to get that. Maybe in the helmet or on the, yeah, on we the should, burner. We should put all submissions into the helmet along with our submissions. Done. We just made a new rule. Therefore, it is law. So after tonight, we will put pool hall junkies in here and we'll see where it falls. John, you can Come on, adult entertainment. John, <laughs> you cannot put in every week Flash Gordon. Oh, another Flash Gordon. Oh, another no, Flash Gordon. I was going to do Barbarella and what was it? Bubba, Bubba Tep? Boba Hotep. Bubba Hotep. Somebody hold this motherfucker. Okay, so... Fuck that guy. Oh, this is action. Oh. The next film we will be reviewing is the Robert Rodriguez-directed Once Upon a Time in Mexico, starring Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, Johnny Depp, William Defoe, and Danny Trejo. Didn't you say this is basically a remake? No, that's or- Desperado. Desperado, but is it like a, a recall or whatever of Desperado? No. Retelling a little bit? No. Uh, Desperado is the, uh, what did you call Evil Dead? A recall. Oh, yeah. So Desperado is the requel of El Mariachi. Oh, okay. This one is actually parts three and four, but we'll get into that. Okay. I got to say, as soon as you read that, it's like, dang, now I got to watch Desperado first. And then. Now, Don, was this one of your yes. picks in the hat? Yes, this was one of my picks. As soon as you said it, oh, that's one of Don's. Yeah. I love this film. I love anything Robert Rodriguez does, but particularly this film. Uh, to me, it has everything. The score, the action, the campiness, the just the feel and the style, and I really enjoy this film. And this was your Western pick? No, no action oh, adventure. Oh, action. action adventure. And, and the other thing that it has in it that, that you also mentioned Selma Hayek. <laughs> You're welcome, Professor. And yeah. if you get Maggie to watch it with you, Johnny Depp's in it too. But did you notice of all of our sexy voices tonight, that's when Ken decided to use his? Well, yeah. Because I mean, Selma Hayek. Because it's Selma Hayek. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh, I had one listener tell us that last time we talked about Selma Hayek, uh, she got upset because uh, we left the, uh, what did she say? Oh, sexy ass Ben, ben Affleck out of our vernacular. So... Uh, we will also say it has Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. That way we are equal. He to, is amazing. To I, our Googling. He is one of my favorite actors in action movies, to be honest. Yeah. I, Antonio Banderas is Antonio one of your... Antonio Banderas. Greatest name in Hollywood. How, how do you say it? Ah, yes. Favorite. What's that from? I just made it up. Oh, I love it. That was very well delivered. Yeah, expect a lot of voices in the next one. Yeah, maybe. Well, you get William Defoe, who's trying to play Mexican, right? So, I think. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I've seen it once. Have you seen it? I don't remember. Okay. Because it, it, I know it has Johnny Depp, and I don't remember if I watched it with Maggie or not. Yeah. Johnny Depp's what special agent? Yeah, uh, Agent Sands. Yeah. Uh, Eva Mendez is in it. Paul Rubens is in it. Not Paul Rubens. Uh, Ruben Blades. <laughs> Isn't Cheech in this one too? Cheech is, yes. Is he the bar yes. owner? Or? No, he's the bartender in Desperado. I know he's in Desperado. Oh, and he's definitely in this too. And when you when you watch it, uh, you don't have to watch Desperado first. Not by any, no, you don't, not by any but, means. But it's fun oh, because they do. Yeah, it's, it's good action. It yeah. is a good action movie. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the, 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 the action sequences are, are good. Yeah. Well, it's, we're looking forward to this one. Uh, yeah, this we, can't wait. we can't wait. Uh, all right. So uh, where can they find us, John? As Ken mentioned earlier, we are on the web at threeguysinaflick.com. We're also on all the popular podcast hosting sites, Spotify, Podbeam, iTunes, as well as we now have a Facebook page and a Twitter page. Uh, speaking of which, do you know how many people, if any, are following us? 
I think we're up to like 12 or 13 followers. 12 or 13. We are nice. on our way, but AJ. I nice. do want to point out, I did look at our stats the other day, and for downloads and listens on our podcast, Flash Gordon is the most popular. Well, that's because you keep downloading it and listening to it, ding dong. I Yo, believe there's... Why do you do that? There's 50 downloads of, of Flash Gordon. Wow. To our 13 listeners, don't encourage him, please. But... Encourage away. <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening to us. And uh, don't forget to follow us on all of the social media that John said. Uh, Thank you. So I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. We'll see you next time. Batman? That's funny, guys. (laughs) That was good. Yeah.